Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, Simon Gibbs, the sports editor of the Vanderbilt Hustler, will join us. Today's news presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at SB Injury Law, and please tell them you heard about them on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Today's news will be the subject of today's podcast. That is Dylan DeSue has left Vanderbilt basketball. He's hit the transfer portal. I expect he will wind up at Texas. Our guest line today, presented by our friends at Bowling Branch, Scott and Missy Tannen. I've slept on Bowling Branch sheets for years. You should try them. You will not believe them. They get more comfortable with every wash. They are 100% organic, rain-fed cotton. I can't tell you what that means until you sleep on them for yourself when you try them. You can do that free for 30 days. You can order at BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee but you're going to be wasting your time. You're going to love the sheets. You're going to want to keep them. So try Bowling Branch sheets today and tell them you heard about it on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Simon Gibbs joins me. He is the sports editor of the Vanderbilt Hustler. That, of course, the Vanderbilt student newspaper. Simon, thanks for joining me. we got a lot to discuss today, my man. Of course. Thank you for having me, Chris. You know, funny, for those listening, we were supposed to record yesterday, and I had some work come up in the morning, so we weren't able to... Uh, to record and here we are one day later where it seems like the positive direction positive momentum of two different programs has all but completely swung in one day yeah i'm i mean just as i was getting on the hey i could maybe see this thing working for jerry stackhouse now it collapsed in a hurry not even just that but on on the football side you've got what went from Definitely a defense that could struggle a little bit to, okay, this defense could be in huge trouble. Uh, you know, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Yep, yep. I, I, and what's crazy is both of these guys, um, of course, referring to Donovan Kaufman in football and Dylan Dissou in basketball. I mean, not like I needed to spell that out, and I'm sure everyone knows this, but those guys are going to end up going to elite schools. Has Kaufman made any hints about his destination? I have not seen anything. I mean, there's been speculation that maybe Auburn, yeah. um, which wouldn't surprise me. He and Mason, I think, were pretty close. So I, he has not made any hints. I would be shocked if he doesn't end up at Auburn. And I say that because, first off, Auburn does need a safety pretty badly. Um, and secondly, <clears throat> that relationship, you know, you point out that relationship, it is a big deal. It is important for Kaufman, but more important than, well, the relationship is one that has gone on, has been super strong since his high school days. And I remember reading a story um, on Robbie Weinstein's uh, Vandy 24-7 site that basically said, you know, Mason was able to win him over from Florida State, Ole Miss, and a couple other suitors simply by making that connection with him and his family. And if you have that strong a connection, I could easily see, you know, Mason getting him back out of the portal and getting him to go to the Plains. But at the same time, 
you know, this kid is a Baton Rouge native. I mean, he could end up at LSU as well. He's that good, I think. Yeah, and I won't get into details. Donovan has a pretty difficult family situation, and Derek was able yeah. to make a connection with him. Um, I've heard that. And, and I think that, that Derek did a, a really good job with that. Um, it, it's Derek gets criticized for a lot of things and fairly, but I thought the way that he handled that recruitment uh, was was a a check in the right box for him, I guess is a way to put it. Um, boy, let's go with basketball. We got a lot to talk about here. I mean, we've, we've got a baseball series and a spring football game that we might get around to by the yeah. end of the podcast, but we talked pre-pod a little bit and the vibe that you got from checking around a little bit on the basketball end was that I think that that the Sioux decision was a shock to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, the team, at least from what I've heard, was very surprised by the decision. They thought the decision was going to be NBA or Vanderbilt. Um, and given the fact that A, he was injured, and B, probably needed another year, even if he wasn't injured, they sort of thought that decision had been made for him, and it was not going to be NBA, it was going to be Vanderbilt. Um, but, you know, obviously that wasn't the case. And possibly the most bizarre, actually, it's not even bizarre. The, the most, I would say, disappointing part is uh, he enters the portal and maybe minutes, if that, maybe it was seconds after he enters the portal, there are reports coming out that Texas is, is a top landing spot for him. And look, I, you don't need to beat around the bush. There, there had to have been some tampering going on there, right? I mean, you've got a powerful school in Texas that knows DSU's from around the area, knows he didn't get that offer out of high school. And when you move from Shaka Smart to Beard, you know, you get that new sense of direction, that ability to pull in recruits. You, you, have, to, you have to guess that, that DSU had been in contact with them, could be wrong, but and, – and of course, I don't fault D.C. for this. I certainly fault Texas for this, but it's just not right. You know, I am – I'm surprised. I had heard a little bit of talk of him transferring a year ago, but from what I understand – his family was pretty well bought into the concept of Vanderbilt education. He was the SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year. Maybe it's on me for not having my ear to the ground more recently, but just adding all that up and given what had been some positive momentum for the program, when that happened last night, I mean, I'm I'm on the way to my son's baseball game. I'm literally getting a text on it as we're about to walk out the door and I, I didn't have a lot of time to process and make phone calls last night. I did some this morning, but I was not expecting that to happen. Oh, I was not either. And not only was I not, I thought, you know, I, this whole off season have been thinking that the potential. So let me preface this by saying with the transfers coming in and my, not guess, I would say my relatively educated guess, right? There's some something to go off there. I would have taken an educated guess that Scottie Pippen Jr. is coming back. And so between that and the incoming transfers, I truly thought that this was going to be a competitive team because DSU transferring 
never once crossed my mind. Like not in my wildest imagination did I think that was a possibility. And frankly, how could you blame me? This is kind of a late time to be going into the portal. Yeah, but let me play devil's advocate, okay? Um, you guys are about to finish exams, right? Or, or maybe some people have wrapped up a lot of their work. So if you're going to do it from a Vanderbilt sense, maybe the timing makes more sense once you've taken care of your business because having that stress on top of um, you know, maybe getting a sideways look every time you walk somewhere on campus <laughs> – Given what you've just announced, I, I don't know. Does, you're a student; you've got a better perspective on this than I do. But what do you think of that? So, first off, I'm curious, and because I don't really know, I'm curious what you know when you transfer, when you announce that official transfer. Like, when can you go to the school? What's the earliest you could go to the school? Because surely you have to finish your semester at Vanderbilt. And let me tell you, with the amount of work I have now. Our semesters are far from finished. I mean, we are not going to be done till I think first week of May is like the final week where they can have tests. So he's going to be here for a while, at least as uh, taking class and taking finals, though <clears throat> we have to understand that with this weird COVID year, he could be opting to, to be a virtual student for the, for the remainder of the semester. So theoretically, I mean, I'm, I could be wrong here. Theoretically, you know, say he does commit to Texas, and this is a hypothetical, he's not too far away from Austin, where he's from. He could simply go home, finish up his Vanderbilt semester at home, and basically, you know, be joining the team at Austin. You know, one other thing that, that occurs to me, I don't know what Texas's roster situation is, but with Chris Beard there now, I think that's going to be a hot destination for a lot of players. This is 100% speculative. Uh, maybe this is a case where, you know, you claim your roster spot now before someone else gets it, perhaps. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's certainly true. And the other thing is, I mean, two other things. One, from my understanding, Texas has a lot, a lot of open scholarships. Um and a former, a, a handful of former Longhorns are, are looking for their new homes. You know, he could claim that spot, that scholarship. But <clears throat> this is, I mean, look, the one-time transfer thing, especially with COVID, whether or not it's going to stay could really change the sport. But to a certain extent, you're like, can you really blame Disu for wanting to go to his home state school that he's probably been a fan of since he was a child? I mean, Again, this is all purely speculative. He could totally not go to Texas. This is just the only school I've seen multiple reports come out on. But say he grew up a diehard Texas fan in the heart of Austin, basically. You can't really fault him for, for, for not passing up this opportunity. I will say it's got to be infuriating for someone like Stackhouse, who, frankly, you know, while he didn't recruit Disu, he was able to keep him after Bryce Drew got him to commit. He has developed Disu into the player he is today, right? Like these past two seasons, Disu has taken a massive leap, as has Scotty, both Bryce Drew recruits, but it was Stackhouse who developed them. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I, I have any reason to believe that that Disu left. Like I don't think it was any anything against Vanderbilt or the program. At least that would be my guess. My guess would be he, you know, 
had reason to believe, and rightfully so, that he could walk walk his way to a really powerful program from here. And you know, if you want that sort of spotlight, if you want your best shot at making it to the NBA, maybe that's the right way to do it. Well, first of all, Pflugerville, I just looked this up, is 18 miles from Austin. It's a 25-minute uh, drive. So exactly. it's like Franklin to Nashville. Right. So, yeah, that I mean, that's that's right in his backyard. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm just with the – and not that Texas is a bad school. I, I think it's just the – you know, one – and I've been as critical as of Jerry as anybody, and for there were some good reasons for that. But Jerry has talked to Sue up since almost the minute he got here as a pro prospect. Totally, uh, he, and, and he's yeah. right, by the way. Yeah, he leads the league in rebounding as a sophomore. He's had the green light to shoot from distance. Um, great student. Now, look, I, I don't ever. You never know somebody's situation, and I don't know if there's something in the background with the, a family illness. And, and that, by the way, I'm not trying to start a rumor. I'm just saying you never know people's reasons. Uh, yeah. Certainly, at a minimum, he's closer to home. And what I've heard is that was a reason given. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised for the reasons that you said, but I thought given all that, and maybe it's as simple as he blew up enough this year to get to that point and throwing a coaching change at Texas that everybody's excited about. Uh, maybe that was the thing that put it over the edge, but I just, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that a lot of us, if you told me 24 hours ago, um, what do you think of the chances of Dylan to transferring? I would say, that's just not something that has popped up on my radar recently. And I, I think everybody would say the same thing. Yeah, I would, I would guess, I guess I would push back on, you know, you said you wouldn't be surprised. I, I think, so I already established that my level of surprise was incredibly high. I was totally dumbfounded, not dumbfounded. I was shocked by the decision. I think it's, 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 incredibly surprising and caught me off guard that being said it's completely justifiable with these new transfer rules and the ability to you know find greener pastures the problem the problem lies within that rule now is you know admittedly i entered yesterday literally every day until yesterday i was like this one-time transfer rule you know it may turn it into a frenzy of transfers but i don't mind it and I think part of my rationale was that Vanderbilt could benefit from this, you know, because it's a power five school that presents a great education, uh, a coach who had been in the NBA, and probably most importantly to some of these transfers, it, it can offer you immediate playing time. So I thought that this one-time transfer rule would, would really help Vandy. What I failed to realize about the one-time transfer rule, and look, I'm going to admit, I knew that it was going to hurt mid-major schools. I didn't really mind because I thought that it would make the Power Five potentially a little more balanced, potentially some of these bottom feeder SEC, or sorry, bottom feeder Power Five schools that offer you the opportunity to play against top competition with immediate playing time. I thought that was going to be a major draw. Evidently, it's not. I'm now starting to think with this rule, the rich 
are going to get so much richer and no yeah. one else is going to benefit. I mean, these mid-majors are not the only ones that are going to hurt. be hurt. It's going to be Vanderbilt. It's going to be all the bottom. T- Texas A&M is going to be hurt. For, like any one of these schools that's not a blue, blue blood program are going to identify talent, develop talent, and then lose their talent. It's devastating. Today's show presented by Jody Jones, DDS, who has made this season of the podcast possible. Jody is a former Commodore football player and current Commodore booster. He runs a dental practice at 55 Music Square East. Check it out yourself. He is the dentist to the stars. He provides his famous Hollywood smile to lots of patients. We're talking artists, movie stars, celebrities. Jody is committed to quality and first-rate results from all his patients, so he never compromises in those regards. Visit Jody Jones Dentistry near downtown Nashville. Go in, talk some Commodore sports with him. Tell him you appreciate his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about his business here. Yeah, two things. I was concerned all winter about the possibility of this happening, if for no other reason, okay, DeSue and Pippen had played really well in their time at Vanderbilt, and particularly last year. And it just wasn't anything else around them, right, to speak of. Yeah. And the thing that always concerned me was kids want to win. Well, you got DeSue leading the league in rebounding and Pippen finishing second in the league in scoring and I think in assists. And they win three games. And so, you know, they're not the issue. So, you know, the issue is getting more talent. And especially when they didn't start off on fire in the transfer portal, I think that had to be a little bit more of a concern that those kids could look around and say, hey, if if we hit the portal, there's going to be a minimum of 300 schools that we could play at. Um, And so, knowing those kids are going to have options, knowing they're not winning with them, knowing you could go to another school where you walk into a better roster right away, you have to feel common sense just tells you that's an option, right? Yeah. I think what was really surprising, like, was the fact that they just landed three transfers. And I would say two of them were going to be pretty immediate impact. I would say Taryn Frank is going to give them a more talented piece of depth than they've had. So I guess that's really what surprised me is I could have seen that happening under conditions where they look around and say, we don't have a sporting cast. Uh, For it to happen under this condition was, I I think that's why I was surprised when the news came down last night. You you know, I I just can't help but think, and you you could totally disagree with me here, and I'd be curious to hear what you do think. With next year, Theoretically, if it were Scottie Pippen Jr., um, if it were Dylan Disu, if it were Robbins, Chapman, um, and uh, let's see, Robbins, Disu, Chapman, um, Pippen, and you have a plug-and-play option at that other guard position, like theoretically they could play Jordan Wright, they could play Lawrence if he's you know making, making a, a, a solid return from his injury. They could really play anyone. They could eventually, down the road, plug in a guy, um, uh, a guy like Frank. I think that that's a bubble tournament team. I really, I really, really do. Because I think Disu and Robbins 
are one of we we spoke about this last week remember or last podcast i i told you that i thought the addition of robbins gives vanderbilt one of the best front courts if not the best front court in the sec so you've got that going for you you've got a primary scorer and ball handler in pippen who down the stretch late in games you know the ball is going to go to him and you're confident that he could score right you have that one guy you could lean on when the game is close you have everything pippen lacks in defense Chapman picks up the slack. He could guard the best guard on the other team or best forward for that matter. That is a balanced, solid team. And now look, there might be some depth issues on that team. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to make it to the final four. I genuinely think that was a NCAA tournament bubble team. And now what do you have? Because do you think Scottie Pippen comes back after this? I don't know. No, Frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm much less optimistic about Pippen coming back after last night. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, honestly. The thing that I've said all along is they needed parts, right? Because I think Jordan Wright is fine when he's your fourth or fifth scorer. When he's your number two scorer, you got a problem. Yeah, um, and he was going to be he was going to be a very he, I mean, at this point, like, like, like in that lineup I had just mentioned, Jordan Wright's in the lineup simply because <laughs> you know, they needed another guard or forward to put in there that could just right. basically fill the void. I mean, he would be scoring four or five points a game. Well, let me let me run this off, okay? You've got, here's what your lineup could have been. You could have gone Pippen at the one, maybe Chapman at the two, Wright at the three, DeSue at the four, Robbins at the five. Off the bench, you have Frank. Uh, you know, to help out at forward, you got Studi to help out at forward. Most, you know, what's that? Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence, you got the two freshmen coming in. Like all of a sudden, you have an issue where guys who are developmental pieces can be just that, right? Yeah. You don't have to count on them to be more than they're ready for, which has been an issue the last two years, and that's why they won what three games in the conference each year or whatever it was. So now you're almost back to where you are unless you get Pippen back. Even with Pippen back, they're not back to where they are. They're not. No, and, no. And, 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 and I, I, by the way, I agree. I think that this was, and you can listen to it. I did on my SEC podcast. We talked about them yesterday. Blake and I did. We both agreed. We thought they had a pretty good chance to make the NCAA tournament. You, you can listen to what I said on that other podcast on, on Wednesday before all this went down. I mean, my outlook was totally different than it is now. Yeah, right. And, and you know, here's the thing. If with DSU out, that's one scholarship open. If Pippen leaves, that's two scholarships open. Is this team doomed next year? Right now, absolutely not. And that's because they're still – time for Stackhouse to make a splash or splashes in the transfer portal. Will he be able to replicate what either of those guys bring to the floor? Absolutely not, but you can get talent that would maybe force you to change the identity of this team, but that's not to say that with the right with the right talent in place it could still be a competitive team because some of the pieces, not all of them, but some of them are still there. You've got a big man who could play play the role of rim protector and play the role of interior presence. You need a big man that could stretch the floor. That would have been Disu. 
Um, you, you've got a guard that can lock down the opposing defense and ch- or the opposing guard in Chapman. You need a guard that can score, and that would have been Pippen. You, you can find replacements to these guys. I just am starting to doubt that that it, you know because Pippen. Here's what I also struggle with. Pippen has a lot of time to make his decision whether or not he's coming back, right? Yeah. If Pippen decides a month from now or almost a month from now that he's coming back to college, then it becomes a question is if is it Vanderbilt or is it not? And in the meantime, you know, Stackhouse surely doesn't want to give away Pippen's scholarship. It, the whole thing is so difficult right now. Yeah, and I guess that's the good thing to the Sue going in now. And, and maybe that was it. Maybe he knew he was going to leave. Maybe he didn't want to leave the school in a lurch. I, I don't know. That's speculation. But here's the problem as I look through this again. I've got names written on paper. And here's the thing, Simon. You take Pippen and DeSue out of that group, who's your score? I mean, is Liam Robbins going to get you 17, 18 a night? No. Um, who's, no. who's your backcourt guy that's going to jump up and give you that you can count on right. for a good 13? I just don't. I don't know. I mean, I and these guys will get a chance. It's a blank canvas, but there's no, there's nothing that that we, based on history, can bank on here. Right, I agree, but there there are there are possibilities. There are ways this team can get back to a competitive state through the portal. I'm just worried about the the plausibility of doing that because. You know, like I said, this is happening so late and the Pippin thing can be drawn out for another month plus. I just don't know if it's if it's gonna be really possible for Stackhouse to to pick up pick up all the pieces that are that are that are on their way out. This is just such a difficult and what you know, I've I already established this. I'm just going to say it again. It's gotta be so infuriating for Stackhouse, who knows damn well that he's the one that developed Disu into the player he is today. And look, maybe he was overlooked in high school. I think he probably was to an extent. But he, under his watch, Disu went from a solid freshman to, in my opinion, a snub from an all-conference team as a sophomore. And barring injury, would have led in pretty much every major category, having played almost every single game or every major rebounding category, sorry about that. Um, and, you know, in a day, he's gone, and with a no-contact no tag, it's infuriating. You know someone is on the other end of this pulling strings and and, and, and had, you know, Dsu pretty much guaranteed a, a spot or, or playing time or something before he entered the portal. You know what's interesting is I listen to you talk about that. If you just dropped in on this podcast – and you didn't know who the school was, you'd think we were talking about Missouri State or Illinois State or a mid-major right. program, not an SEC program, but it feels like that's kind of – because these are the complaints that you hear those coaches make. Um, but that's kind of where they are. But that's the problem with this rule is, you know, I thought – I really did think that – this was only going to hurt the mid-majors. I, I said that earlier. Yeah, and it will. It will, but... Right, but 
But you know, think about think about the bottom feeding Power Five schools: Pitt, Washington State, in a normal year Rutgers, right? Like Vandy, in a normal year Georgia Tech, but although they're really well coached now, so maybe not anymore. Kansas State, Boston College. I, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Utah. These are schools that are not traditionally good at basketball, but they are power five schools. And in the most case, they have the coaching in place to every now and then get a good recruit, develop some talent, maybe make a one, one NCAA tournament appearance. They'll find the talent, they'll develop the talent, and they'll lose the talent. If you're not, if you're not a Michigan, if you're not a Kansas, if you're not a Kentucky – that's too bad, and that's why this rule is going to be killer. I mean, just wait till the wait till the NLI stuff comes into play. Yeah. Then the tampering level is going to be. And and by the way, let me say for the record, I am all in on NLI. Um, it's going to damage the sport or sports severely. But I I just don't think it's at all justifiable to go on any longer without giving college athletes any form of compensation whatsoever. So I think it's just something we have to deal with. But but the tampering, I mean, these transfer rules have got to change by the time the NLI rolls around or the, you know, the tampering is going to be 10 times worse. Because what if what if someone like Disu was say no tampering was involved with Texas, right? Texas is his home state school. They um, he enters the portal, say Texas offers him and he's like, you know what? I want to go to Texas. Then all of a sudden, despite his no contact tag, UNC comes in and is like, hey, we could get you a, a sponsorship deal here at UNC that's going to pay you well. Then DSU's gone and going to UNC. Like, that's going to be a mess. And that's why I think the transfer, the one time transfer rule might not be the best thing for college basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll wait and see. I don't like the way it feels today, but I also don't like the fact that coaches can come and go and players are kind of stuck in a lurch. And I, I think there's a learning experience in this too. Um, sometimes making a change isn't always the best thing and, and maybe learning that lesson when you're 20 years old uh, helps you down the line. But I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think there will be a counterbalance at some point. I don't know what it's going to be. I do think that this happening in a COVID year, well, I just think, frankly, Simon, I think a lot of kids are miserable. And just because of the quarantine it's and not, the isolation. It's not a fun time to be a college athlete. No. Uh, and, a college student, I'll tell you that. And sometimes when you're miserable, you're not able to identify exactly what it is. And and so you you pin it on the nearest available explanation. And maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know. But it's just a weird time where it's hard to make heads or tails of anything right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, it's it's gotten to the point where it's it's hard to fault student athletes for making these decisions. It, you just got to feel for the programs that are going to take the heat here. And the other thing that's interesting, and and I want to ask you this question because I I struggle with this a little bit with the with the sort of one time transfer thing. So the one time transfer thing is obviously recently introduced. It may be here to stay. It may not be here to stay after this crazy offseason. But say Vanderbilt was the team it was at the towards the end of the Stallings era. Say it was a second-round NCAA tournament team, right, and, and a competitive team in the SEC. Do you think that success makes 
do you think that success puts Vandy on the other side of the argument where instead of losing the developed talent, they're stealing other schools' developed talent? Or do you think second-round NCAA tournament hopes is really not high enough to be on that receiving end? I okay, there's, there's a lot that goes into this, okay? And I'm going to kind of back off and not hit your answer directly and, and, and go around the bush and, and maybe return and connect the dots. And if I don't, let me know. To me, basketball and playing time is kind of becoming a commodity, right? Um, fungible. To where, unless you've really got something to offer, like Final Four or Elite Eight or whatever, um, you know, playing time at Vanderbilt versus playing time at, at TCU, uh, who, who really cares, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's playing time. You want to be on the floor. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, you're going to throw the NLI in the middle of this, too. I really think there's an opportunity for Vanderbilt, as you start putting everything on the scale again, to say, oh, by the way, over here, we've got an education. Um, and our degree is going to be worth more uh, if we can balance the scales elsewhere than the ones that you might get over there. And here's where I come full circle on the answer, okay? I feel like Kevin Stallings, having been there a long time, had a pretty good idea of what worked at Vanderbilt and what didn't. No, no, Kevin could be a jerk. Um, you, know, you had kids leave or, or or be not very happy while they were there because of that. But I felt like Kevin had a pretty good idea of the kind of player who worked at Vanderbilt and the kind of player who did not. And I think where Kevin got into trouble was that spell where his son was playing high school ball and college ball, baseball, of course, his son now the catcher with the Pirates, and wasn't out there on the road as much. And, and that's when he ran into the Kedron Johnson phase. Um, that's where my interpretation, like, I, don't, I don't think you remember this because you wouldn't, but they signed Sheldon Jeter one year. I think he was the last unsigned guy in the Rivals 150. He was at the end of it. Jeter, from what I remember it, was sort of, I guess, out of good options because the offers he had, I don't think, were on the table anymore. Mm. Kevin's recruiting was not going super well. He needed bodies, and that was just kind of like a... It struck me as a marriage of convenience of two lonely people at the time. Uh, and a year later, it didn't work. I don't think Jeter maybe was ready for the classwork and stuff like that. Um and he moves on to Pitt, which is closer to home. And, and by that time, Sheldon had established himself as a competent player, uh, and maybe he had some options that he wasn't going to have first time around. By the way, tampering was <laughs> widely suspected then, too. <laughs> but my point is, I feel like Kevin, and I don't know if this answers your question right, but I feel like Kevin, when it worked for him, had a really good feel on who was a fit at Vanderbilt, who could play for him, and who couldn't. And that's why they were consistently good. I think Stackhouse had just kind of come into this without having much idea what he's getting into. Uh, Jerry was very, very confident in his ability uh, to find players, any players. I think to Jerry, uh, to use the term fungible again, I think that's what players were. Um, 
<laughs> there's a lot of con- there, there, there's comments. a lot of there's a lot of context and comments here that I, that I probably can't get into. But let's just say I, I think it's safe to under to say that he underestimated the job that was in front of him. I felt he felt like a lot of what they could do was grab transfers, but now. I don't, I don't know if it's fair. I, I guess what troubles me about DeSue, too, right, is DeSue was a Vanderbilt-type kid. DeSue was the kind of kid that Kevin Stallings would have recruited and probably retained. Uh, and, and maybe it's just the the fact that you can go somewhere else and not have to sit out a year. Maybe kids like that would have left when Kevin was here. And so it's not apples to apples for Jerry. But I feel like... With Kevin, there was something in in the the knowing how it worked and knowing what he was getting into that that Jerry didn't understand. Um, and I feel like maybe eventually that comes full circle for Vanderbilt again, but who knows? So, what I meant by that question though is not necessarily the impact of Stallings as a coach. I just meant like with this rule where you could just transfer easily and no penalty, and you could just do it once and play immediately. Does it does it change Vanderbilt's fate if they were a relatively not super successful, relatively successful school as at the time of this rule being implemented? I mean, it couldn't hurt, right? Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I I just don't know. Like, do you lose to Sue if you're a competitive team? If you're a second round team, do you lose to Sue? Well, see that that's that's why this gets confusing because I think if <laughs> if I think if DeSue had left six weeks ago, then yeah, totally made sense. But now you could have made the argument that they were going to be very competitive and been in the tournament next year. So you, you get that maybe you you know the tournament's a crapshoot, right? You get in there and and next thing you know UCLA is gone from the from from Dayton to the final four. Um I feel like you had an argument as Vanderbilt and the the fact that he was SEC scholar athlete of the year to me that that just makes it even more confusing because I feel like he was a kid who very much valued what they have to offer where a lot of other players don't. And that's where I'm really stuck. Yeah. Oh, well would you look at this? Just this morning, Isaiah Brockington, guard on Penn State, pretty good guard, averages, I want to say, I want to guess, 12 to 15 points a game probably, five-ish rebounds, couple assists, pretty good guard on on Penn State. Tweets uh, uh, like a week, a couple weeks or months ago that he was returning to Penn State, deletes the tweet today and enters the transfer portal. When that happens, you, there's got to be another school on the other end that's pulling strings, no? I mean, he just changed his mind with the snap of a finger? Oh, I think tampering happens more than people suspect, and I think it it happens more with the quote-unquote clean programs more than people think, too. Yeah. And, and honestly, Simon, I don't know that I judge people. If you're going to make a decision about your future, about stepping away from a situation where your scholarship is guaranteed. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you as the parent of my son. Right, you're not going to let him put no, I'm, I'm not going to let him go into that blind Right. if, if I don't know. Now, look, um, 
if my son is is first team all conference in the SEC, then I think I know my answer, right? I think he's going to land somewhere. Now, if you've yeah. got a particular spot you want to land, that's where it gets tricky, right? If it's if there's one school where you want to be where it's close to home, um, then that's where it gets tough. So I don't, I don't even. I know people are yelling tampering a lot and complaining, and I'm not saying it's completely invalid, but I'm telling you, um, as a parent of a son. I can't tell Look, you that I wouldn't I wouldn't poke around either. You're right. And and here's the thing. <clears throat> there could be in some cases a paper trail that could get the coach in trouble. Now, say the NCAA tightens up the tampering rules, right? They crack down, I don't know how they would do this, but hypothetically, if they crack down on the tampering, they found a way to expose the paper trails and get some coaches and some programs in trouble. If I'm a head coach, you know what I'm doing? I see a player I want, and I can't talk to them. I know I'll get in trouble if I talk to them. I am going to every coach he's ever had in high school, every trainer he's ever trained with at home. I'm going to pitch them on the school, each and every one of them. And I know damn well they're going to go tell him to transfer to my school. There are so many other ways around this. It's really bad. Will Wade would like a word about getting caught with the paper trail here. But um... <laughs> I mean, that's the way it happens. I mean, parents talk to to AAU coaches or high school coaches who talk to somebody else, and you've got you've got ways to cover your bases. Yep. And at this point, I'm I'm sort of it, it, the general basketball is in this crazy conundrum right now that like. You know, they need the spots, but they don't know how, or they need the players, but they don't know how many spots they have. And this is like as difficult a situation you could put a head coach in because, you know, he could fill, he could confidently fill DC's spot. We know that that's a spot that's going to be open. We know that he's gone. I said this before, but the uncertainty regarding Pippen, it, it could really screw this program up. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know how. Here's Abs- absent, absent Jerry making two huge splashes in the transfer market, and a the chances that they're as good as the two, assuming they lose Pippen, that they're going to lose, and b you've got the issue of continuity and playing together. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know how he. It, it's very hard. I, I for the first time I'd seen a path to Jerry winning here, and now it's very hard to see again. I don't know if it's very hard to see just yet. I just think it's very hard to I, – because I, I don't think it's very hard to see a path to winning because I think the path to winning, like I said, is contingent on the transfer portal, which there are still the right pieces that he could put together to make a competitive team. And secondly, I, you know, Disu is a massive loss. I will not beat around the bush there. I just, I, I understand also the argument to say this doesn't help Pippen's chances of coming back. Now, I will say for the record, I'm, I'm very, very confident that Pippen is a smart guy. And I know that if he doesn't get that draft guarantee, he's not going to do what Simi Chateau did. He's going to. If he doesn't get that guarantee, he's going to come back to college. It's a question of whether or not it's here. I understand why everyone might say he won't come back 
to Vandy specifically because DSU's not here. I just there's no there's without without reason to to think that or without reason to know that that's the case. I just think people need to just wait. I think people need to wait because at the end of the day, he could very well. I mean, we know he knows that he has whether or not this team is going to win. He has a path to being the main scoring option and having some sort of surrounding cast next season. And I just think, I just think it's a little more likely than we would have, than we would guess after this Disu move that he still comes back to Vanderbilt. If he comes back to Vanderbilt and he tells, whether he comes back or doesn't come back though, if he's able to tell Stockhouse, look, if I don't get the guarantee, I'm going to explore options in the future.